A lot of tired, crusty old bastards are having a grand old time making fun of the biggest sporting event in the world, Soccer's World Cup. And that's what it is, you know. It's the biggest sporting event in the world. The Super Bowl ain't a pimple on the World Cup's ass. Oh my God, the diving, the flopping, the writhing. How can I take talkers seriously? Okay, now, you do understand, don't you, that every time a receiver pantomimes throwing a flag after he's bumped, you, you do understand that's exactly the same thing, right? Because it is exactly the same thing. A bunch of stuff in America's He-Man sports are just as annoying as soccer's diving. For example, the NFL's tendency to bojangle after any play that works even a little bit, to perform a Broadway musical after a three-yard game, to celebrate curing cancer after scoring a touchdown that cuts the other team's lead to 14 points. Visits to the mound in baseball are just as annoying. Unfastening and refasting batting gloves after every pitch, that's just as annoying. A zillion timeouts in the last minute of a basketball game, that's annoying. Watching football and baseball games that last four or five hours, but have 10 minutes of actual action, that's real annoying. If you don't like soccer, just shut up about it. Nobody's making you like it, or making you watch it, or making you appreciate what's good about it. And you know what's good about it? The action never stops. The athletes are mostly normal-sized people. They mostly don't get arrested, or beat up women, or take a knee. Soccer has a ton of skill and a variety of styles. That's what I think, but I don't care if you like soccer or not. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Got Josh Owey talking hockey at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I think football blows. And gets worse every year. The athletes get less likable every year. But I don't care if you think that or not. Watching baseball is like slow, excruciating death. But I don't care if you think that or not. Let me like what I like. And you can go screw yourself and be a typical American sports meathead. Seriously, I don't care if you like soccer. But just don't tell me I shouldn't. And I won't tell you how stupid football and baseball are especially by comparison. We got a deal? Would you make that deal? I don't blame you. Damn good deal. Inglorious bastards on again over the week, over the, I feel like today's Monday, right? Because yesterday was a holiday on the Wednesday. And I just said over the weekend, but it's not over the weekend because we got another weekend coming up. And what a run of concerts I have in a five-day span. Vince Neal, Blue Oyster Cult, Ted Nugent, then Foreigner, White Snake, and Jason Bonham again. It will be delightful, yes. You know what saves football, by the way? Football is evidenced by the declining ratings. And I know a bunch of that's been caused by the, the take a knee controversy. And I got to say, some of y'all were right. And I was wrong back when I said, that football's declining ratings 
weren't related to the take a knee controversy, that's definitely a big part of it. There are other factors, but that's a big part of it and, and really the biggest part of it. And that first week, week one, if they're taking knees, they're all staying in the locker room, it's going to get twice as big, twice as bad, twice as damaging. Their policy being no policy is going to be ruinous. Just ruinous. The big story with the Steelers is going to be who does what. Won't be who wins the game. I mean, they're playing at Cleveland. That's a foregone conclusion. In fact, here's my recommendation to the Steelers. If they can sense that there's a big controversy about guys staying in the locker room, or heaven help us if somebody comes out and does take a knee or raise a fist, or Villanueva is the only guy in the locker room, and he's doing the, the song and dance, hand over the heart, tap dancing like Little Orphan Annie as they play the Star Spangled Banner, which I would not put past him, by the way. Let me tell you, when he did that act in Chicago, no one was ever more aware of where the camera was. Ever. So if they sense controversy brewing after the anthem in Cleveland, like, like they knew in Chicago, they should do what they did in Chicago and just lose the game. Although really, losing in Chicago didn't deflect the, the, the controversy at all. Okay, then win the game. Guys, Steelers, if you're listening... And I support the, you know, the, the the take a knee guys and the fist in the air guys. I support the cause of, you know, uh, black men being abused within the context of American justice. I support that. Trust me on this one. That week one at Cleveland, everybody come out for the anthem and just stand there. Everybody just stand there. Because what will happen is other teams will have controversies and you'll just get so much peace if you don't. And I understand the cause. I support the cause. That first week, don't support that cause. Support your cause as Steelers. Just make life easier on yourselves. That's a good column. I'll write that for week one. Somebody remind me. 412-333-9939. I was talking about uh, about the popularity of football. You know what? There are two things that are that are not saving football. That's too strong a term. There are two things that are really keeping football's popularity higher than it otherwise would be. Can anyone out there guess what they are? Two things. Not gambling. Gambling's boosted football's popularity since you could do it. That's that's a definite, it's assumed. What two things are propping up football's popularity uh a lot more than than would be given you know the current downward trend in that popularity? Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. I'll get to that just around the corner. Right now let's go to Pete in the car. Pete, you're on with double F. Uh, a lot more than, than what Mark, yeah, given, you know, soccer, why are it. why are two guys talking? What's your story? They, and then they get Is that why two guys were talking? What happened there? Or was that me echoing? Oh, the guy had the radio on. Well, you're an idiot, idiot. Let's go to Dave in Monroeville. Dave, you're on the Mark Madden show. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. Um, 
I was just wondering who you would prefer if the payments pull up a tree to get Pacioretty or Skinner, because Skinner can also play center and left wing. Right, because they really need another center. Well, no, but um, I just saying it's more versatile. If somebody else got hurt, he could move over to center. Uh, that's not even a choice. You'd want Pacioretty. Even though Skinner had a better year last year, Pacioretty is a pure left wing. He's what they need, and he scores goals. Didn't last yeah. year, had a down year, but I, I would rather have Pacioretty. He's big. I just like Pacioretty. Can I ask one more question, please? Well, let me say something about Skinner. They already have enough of those little guys who are skilled. Go ahead. What's your other question? Yeah, um, I know it wouldn't happen. Wouldn't it be funny to see Kessel play for uh, a guy like the coach in Columbus? Um, no, it wouldn't be funny. Thank you for the call. That just wouldn't be funny. You know what I keep seeing, by the way, with the pretend media, like the pretend guy who wrote that goofy column for NBC Sports? The pretend media says, there's no reason Phil Kessel couldn't switch to left wing. Yeah, there is. He won't want to do it. He wouldn't be good at it. And any other reason you have for switching him pales next to those two for not. Let's go to John on the, in the airport. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing today, brother? Good, John. Hey, uh, for many brothers' commercials... And Primanti Brothers food. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good call. Primanti Brothers sandwiches look magnificent if you get them at the restaurant. Now, sometimes they drop food off here and it's wrapped up and put in a bag. No, I'm not criticized. It's still delicious. Whenever you wrap something, it loses in the translation. Am I right? But you're right. When 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 they deliver those sandwiches at Primanti's, you could take a picture of it. That could be on the cover of an effing magazine, especially if you get the full slaw. I don't get full slaw. I get half slaw. If you get the full slaw, this is like 100 feet high. That shock of slaw, it is tremendous. Good call. We got Sean and Kevin on hold. We'll get to you in a second, 30 seconds away. I'll tell you two things that are making football a lot more popular than it would be if these two things did not exist. 105.90X. Madden. Super genius. Big fan. Big fan. You got to be a big timer to get on this show. Double M. Huge fan. Raise the Jolly Rancher. The X at 105.9. A few people got it right. Two things that are propping up football, making it more popular than it would be, a lot more popular if these two things didn't exist. Oh, and like I said, gambling's been around so long, that that's a given. That's not one of these two things. Setner tweets, Setner 22 tweets, fantasy football in the Red Zone channel. Ooh, that's a bingo. We just say bingo. Fun. Uh, that, that's true. Red Zone TV and fantasy football are the saviors of the NFL. Uh, America is a fast food country, and Red Zone TV is fast food football. Highlights as they happen, one after the other. And fantasy football, and I guess you could lump that in with gambling for sure. But fantasy football makes you feel like you're a part of it. I mean, you're not. Playing in some goofy fantasy league for 50 bucks a team with your frat brothers from all those years ago, that doesn't involve you, but uh, you think you are, and perception equals reality. And like I said, uh, betting is a huge factor as well. Uh Do you have any idea how much actual action there is 
in an NFL football game, those games take like, you know, three and a half hours minimum to play, sometimes longer. There's 11 minutes of actual action in a typical football game. The rest is just standing around. Uh, If you watch a typical NFL game on TV, it's all instant replays and commercials. That's what it is. Your thoughts, 412-333-9939. That's 412-333-WXDX. Here's some breaking news of a sort. Uh, Ottawa and Tampa Bay are trying to work out a Eric Carlson trade that would send Carlson to Tampa. And they're trying to find a third party to launder money. Now, they're not saying that. Remember how Vegas was the third party in that deal the Penguins made for Broussard to to launder money to pick up salary and and, and get, you know, get the other team some cap relief. That's what they want a third team to do in this regard. So I'm not saying it's a sure bet that Carlson's going to Tampa Bay. Dallas was supposed to be a lock to get Carlson, but they have a really top defensive prospect named Miro Heiskanen. And uh, they don't want to part with him in a trade for Carlson. I'm curious to what Tampa would give up to Ottawa in a trade for Eric Carlson. I don't think that'll make uh, them that much better. Got a gimpy foot. He's on the other side of 30. Sorry, that's just not one guy I fear. I'm sorry, 28 years old. That's just not one guy I fear in terms of making a team unbeatable uh, as far as the Penguins are concerned. I mean, you look at at what Tampa did. They went out and got Ryan McDonough from the Rangers and didn't get him over the top, them over the top. Didn't get them to the Stanley Cup final. And then they give Ryan McDonough a seven-year contract extension at age 28 after he played mediocre once he got there. That was just, wow. That's just nutso. 412-333-9939. Here's, here's by the way, uh, this is a narrow focus, but you know, you know who tweets pictures of their food and it looks great when you get it too? Piper's Pub. Piper's Pub, like, I, they have this this uh, meatloaf. Ma, meatloaf. They have this meatloaf. It's unbelievable. Their picture of it on Twitter, and it looks just as good when you order it, but the picture on Twitter, I might take home and frame and hang it above my cot. That's how good this meatloaf looks. We do talk about food a lot on this show, but why wouldn't we? I'm a, I'm a big, fat guy. I like food. I always like when when uh, fat people are made to feel like they should apologize for being fat. Uh, I just don't offer an apology for that. I just don't. I. It is what it is. It has some disadvantages. I've had to deal with those my whole life. So just leave me alone. It's none of your business. Oh, this is good. Uh, here's a list. 15 tricks photographers use to make food look fresh and appetizing. A deodorant makes fruit shiny. 
Ew. Burger patties are covered with shoe polish. Once again, ew. Engine oil instead of maple syrup. I say it a third time. Ew. Uh, like uh, Colin Dunlap, my friend who works for the B team. He didn't like the hot dog eating contest. He tweeted earlier today because it promotes obesity. Mind your own business. He, he like trains CrossFit and stuff like that. You go train CrossFit. I'll worry about the obesity over here, all right? You know, it's up to the parents to teach their kids to not be fat. And sometimes kids can't help it. Believe me, I wasn't a big overeater as a kid. I just come from a long line of people who don't metabolize, who have always been fat. That's why I hate Howard Stern now. There's a lot of reasons I think his show blows goats, but I hate him because the only group left he makes fun of is fat people. Anybody on his staff that's a pound overweight, he just grills mercilessly. Meanwhile, nobody's uglier than him. With that hair, he looks like a giant, dirty Q-tip. He dresses like The Undertaker, and he's making fun of how people look. He got that trophy wife from Fox Chapel because he's rich and famous. Period. Period. Only reason. And I do like Beth and the Ostrowski family, but let's let's not kid ourselves about that. All right. In just a few moments, we're going to talk hockey with Josh Yoey of TheAthletic.com. It's the Mark Madden Show on 105.9. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me now to talk hockey from TheAthletic.com, we welcome Penguins beat guy, Josh Yoey. Josh, uh, now that Dad's back in town, which center is most likely to move to wing, and do you think that's the legitimate game plan? What? Uh- Probably, Mark. I think Riley Sheehan will start as center, and I think Matt Cullen will be the left wing on the fourth line, if I had to guess. Uh, the Penguins obviously have some options there. And, you know, Sheehan played a little bit of wing last season. Cullen has certainly played wing at times. I think either way it's probably a bit of an upgrade over what Tom Kunockel gave them this past season. But uh, there's some flexibility there. And as I've been saying all along, I don't necessarily expect a trade but I have certainly heard enough rumblings from people that I trust that Derek Broussard could be traded for the right return. It wouldn't shock me if it happened. And having Colin in the lineup gives the Penguins the flexibility to do that and move Shane up to number three if they so desire. Is Colin going to play every game? Uh, at 42, will Mike Sullivan feel that Colin can still do that? Um, I-, I would say he probably shouldn't, but that's not what you asked me. You asked me if he would. <laughs> that's right. And and I would guess he probably will because that's just the way these guys are. That they didn't, you know, Sullivan didn't give anybody a day off last season or the year before. Really, even older guys who probably could have used it. I would certainly watch his minutes. He's a heck of a lot more valuable in April and May than he is in November. That's for sure. But given what I've seen in the history from not just Sullivan but hockey coaches in general, I bet you he doesn't get too many nights off. That's weird, isn't it? Because it's been proven time and again that players could do with the occasional day off, especially right before the playoffs to get them into a better frame of mind and give them a little blow before the postseason starts. But coaches almost never do that, save maybe the last game. They act like giving the guy the last game off (laughs) will will help a great deal. 
Yeah, I mean, you, in the history of the game, we don't see it much, Mark. I mean, we, we did see it a lot in the later stages in, in Mario's career. He wouldn't play the second games of back-to-backs very often. And, you know, that was smart. I mean, he knew he didn't need to play every game to still win a scoring title or be ready for the playoffs. And I don't know why anybody else would be different, quite honestly. I completely agree. It's something you see in the NBA every now and then. I know Greg Popovich a few years ago with some of the Spurs back-to-back games, he just wouldn't play Tim Duncan or any of their best players, which didn't make the NBA very happy, I don't think. But why should he care about that? And uh, I guess it's just a hockey culture thing. They never do it, but it wouldn't be the worst idea for, for a lot of their best players, really. Now, I think Broussard might still get traded. Uh, you, you touched on that a moment ago. I'm just not sure how the Pens feel about him. Uh, what do you think their take on Broussard is after admittedly a very short tenure so far with Pittsburgh, as well as one riddle with injury? Boy, there's a lot of mixed feelings in the organization about Derek Broussard. Um, I, I do think there's a thinking, especially from Jim Rutherford's standpoint, he would like to see what Derek Broussard could do for an entire season. And, and I don't blame him. I, I do believe Broussard was playing with a groin injury in the playoffs. He, he got hurt in Detroit late in the regular season. But that said, there was also a sense from some people in the organization, myself included, that this guy, while still a pretty good player, I don't think he's the player he was four or five years ago. And I don't know if they're getting a dynamic player as their number three center like they thought they were getting when they gave up a good bit to get him back in February. So I don't think they're looking to trade him, Mark. But I do think there are some impactful wingers out there they would love to get their hands on. And I think they'd be willing to move Broussard in the right deal. Uh, I found that Rutherford talking about bringing back Cullen to fulfill uh, to fill a leadership void. I find that curious, Josh. I didn't sense that leadership was at all a problem last year, did you? No. Um, that, I don't know if that was just a kind of a hockey cliche that Jim let slip or if he actually meant something more by that. I, I certainly don't think the Penguins lost to the Washington Capitals because there were leadership issues. I think they lost because they were exhausted, and, and I also think they lost because they did lose a lot of very valuable role players from the previous season. Um, you know, guys like Cullen, Chris Kunitz, Ron Hainsey, you know the list. All of them, maybe not the most talented guys in the world, but a brace of players who are tough to play against in the playoffs. I think they lost too much of that from the previous season. Absolutely. Nick Benino, another guy, guys like that. But I don't think leadership was ever an issue. And obviously, Cullen is a great locker room guy. Anybody will tell you that. So he's not going to hurt them in that regard at all. But I don't think it was a problem. Uh, Josh, it's tough to predict line combinations, and part of that is Sid is picky about who he plays with, and there's a trickle down. For example, I see no way Dominic Simone gets in the lineup to start the season, but Sid might want him on right wing. <laughs> I guess it's a possibility. Um, I, I, I'm very confident in saying that Jake Gensel will be Sid's left winger to start the season. Yes, Those guys are just too good together. And they didn't play together for a large chunk of the regular season, but, my goodness, what they did in the playoffs, really the last two years, they have to stay together. And a lot of this is about Hornquist. Uh, I don't think it's any secret that Sid doesn't always like playing with Hornquist, but the coaches believe he's most effective with Hornquist. I tend to agree with the coaches on that one. That would be my top line. Um, but you're right, Sid is picky. And, and, you know, Sprong is interesting in all of this, Mark. If you want to get the most out of Daniel Sprong, you'd like to see him be a top-six winger. And I can tell you right now, the coaches don't think much of his defensive work. And the coaches also don't think much of Jake Gensel's defensive work. And so that puts a heck of a lot of burden on Sid if that would be a trio. So these are things you have to keep in mind. 
besides Sid and Gensel, are there any combinations you think are obvious, whether it's uh, a two-man combo or a three-man combo? Well, this one might sound funny, um, and I'm a fan of playing Kessel with Malkin. I would like to see it. But I think no matter what, you're going to see Carl Haglin with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, those two play well together. Haglin just has the ability to do all the dirty work for Gino, to, to create turnovers in the offensive zone, on the forecheck, to take care of the defensive work. And you put a guy who can score on Gino's right wing, and it just works. So I actually think there's a really good chance you'll see Haglin and Malkin together no matter what, even though you don't think of Haglin as a guy who necessarily has to be an automatic in the top six. We're talking to Josh Shelley from TheAthletic.com. Josh brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Uh, Josh, um, were you surprised Jim Rutherford made John Tortorella, the Jackets coach, made him look kind of bad with what he said after the Penguins officially signed Jack Johnson? What was Jim aiming to do there? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, there certainly seemed to be some intent with that uh, comment. I don't think it was necessary, although I found it humorous. Uh, let me say, I was at that press conference on Sunday afternoon, and let me say this. I don't think Jack Johnson meant anything inflammatory with what he said about the winning culture. I, I really don't. I think Jack Johnson just wanted to compliment the Penguins. I don't think he was taking that much of a shot at the Blue Jackets. If he was, it was a very small one. Um, Jim Rutherford, I, clearly, he, had, I think, heard some stories from Johnson about things that happened in Columbus, and I don't think he was all that impressed with what he heard that that's how I take it. And the funny part about it is, you know, John Tortorella and Mike Sullivan are awfully close friends. So you know, that, that, that makes things even more interesting. But uh, Jim's comments, uh, while kind of amusing, probably wouldn't fall under the category of necessary. Yeah, I, I just don't see what was gained by it except pissing torts off. Then again, maybe that's just its its own reward. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, now, some people still see Jack Johnson as a bad signing, but after all the other deals made since free agency opened uh, almost a week ago, Josh, the price was right with Johnson. 3.25 per year, it seems like almost a bargain. Yeah, the more I think about it and the more I look around the league and what's happening with the, the prices we're seeing for players, I think it's a perfectly reasonable deal. I still think it's longer than it needed to be, but they can work with that. And three and a quarter million, listen, if he can be a good number five defenseman for them, and I really think he can, it's probably a good price. Look at the rest of their defensemen. You know, Schultz, Mata, Dumoulin, Latine, those guys all make $4 million a year or more. So that's just kind of what a number five defenseman is going to cost. He has a track record of being a better player than I think a lot of people want to give him credit for, even if his analytics aren't great. And, uh, yeah, I, honestly, that, that, especially the, the cost per year, that's not a problem at all for the Penguins. Yeah, no, I think it's it's the only thing I don't like about it is it's it's a year too long the deal. But what are you, what are you going to do? That's just you know that's just what you have to pay to get that guy to come to this team. And might I add, Josh, maybe the deal being five years took the price per year down just a little bit. And I keep seeing all these analytics. I mean, on the NBC Sports website. Uh, the guy who wrote that article said that Jack Johnson has wrecked every team he's ever been on. And I'm like, my God, I, I, I really have not noticed that. I think I would have, too. But, you know, he's been at the very least okay, at the very worst inconsistent. He was great two years ago, not so good last year. And people are forgetting or maybe ignoring. Last year he went into bankruptcy because his parents stole money from him. That had to be weighing heavily all year. Yeah, this is a guy who has dealt with some extraordinarily uncommon things 
off the ice. There's no question about that. I'm sure that affected his play. And by the way, Columbus was one of the best teams in the league two years ago while he was dealing with that, only to lose to the Penguins in the first round. So I guess he didn't wreck the Blue Jackets. And also, let me say this, Mark. Um, the Penguins have some of the best contracts in hockey. They have guys like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and a couple of others who are criminally underpaid, quite honestly, for what they bring. So if the Penguins have a couple of contracts that are maybe a little more pricey than they should be, a guy like a Haglin or even a Jack Johnson, it's not going to hurt them. It's not a big deal. They will still have the flexibility to go get somebody at the deadline if they wish. That's just the way the game is played. By the way, listen to this, Josh. I was just kind of skimming the Internet. His bankruptcy agreement in 2016 uh, called for him to liquidate two homes and a luxury car and only keep 246k in salary for each of the next two seasons. I made yeah, more than Jack Johnson the last two years. Ha! <laughs> yeah. Jack, if you're listening, my <laughs> shoes cost more than your house. No, I mean, with, all kidding aside, what a terrible situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of unprecedented. There haven't really been any situations quite like that that I can think of. And absolutely it would affect you. My gosh, he was literally losing millions of dollars, which is bad enough, but he was losing it to his parents who ripped him off. I mean, it's a horrible story. And, of course, it had to have affected his play. But from what I've been told, from what I've observed, that he's in a much better place now than he was mentally, I think. Um, he's married. He's happy away from the ice. Or, you know, and I think he's incredibly motivated from everything that I've been told. So, yeah, I, I think... Uh, the, the things that have been said about the signing, we shouldn't always read uh, everything on Twitter, of course. Uh, uh, no no question. Like, like He's incredible. represented the U.S. how many times? One silver in 2010. Yes. He, he, he is, is more than a passable player. Now, now that the best part of free agency is over for this year, has the landscape really changed that much? Because I'm not sure it has. No, I don't think so. I, I think the East is clearly better than the West, just like it was last year. Um. Tavares was the big name, and yes, he makes Toronto even flashier, but they still have some limitations, I would say. But when I look at the East, I still think Pittsburgh and Washington are the two best teams, and I still think Tampa and Toronto and Boston are just a small step behind. And there's a few other teams behind them, Jersey, Philly, teams like that, but Florida, that I think are very intriguing, and then it's basically the same as last year. I don't see much difference. Uh, let's look at the Tavares thing for a second, because he's really good. Uh, I, I would not diminish his ability, but Toronto didn't need him. They needed John Carlson or Eric Carlson or somebody to play defense. They got Tavares. It's just more of the same. They didn't need him. I agree. Uh, you know, if they want to model themselves off the Penguins from a few years back when, they, you know, young Crosby and Malkin with the two great centers of Matthews and Tavares, that's great. But those two guys still aren't quite as good as Crosby and Malkin. And, you know, the Penguins had Chris Tang and the Penguins had Marc-Andre Fleury. So they could spend all that money down the middle and continue to keep those guys for a decade because they were pretty stable elsewhere. Uh, the Maple Leafs can't play defense. They, their last period of the season in Game 7 in Boston, I think they gave up four or five goals, and that's, that's kind of who they are. They're really fun to watch. I mean, they're going to be exciting. They're good for hockey from that standpoint, but I still don't really view them as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender for all the attention they get, Mark, and all the talent they have. They still haven't won a playoff series under Mike Babcock. Until they do, it's hard to take them that seriously. You think Tavares and Matthews will coexist easily as, as, as number one and number one A at center? Um, good question. Um, from what I have observed of Tavares, very likable guy, very humble. 
I think he would work well with anyone. He reminds me of Sid a little bit. They have similar personalities. Um, I don't know Matthews that well. He strikes me as being a little more brash. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that that's going to be a fair question. Who is the number one center there? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, that, I guess they'll have to work that see, out. See, them. I think Matthews is the better player right now, but I don't think they brought in Tavares to be the number two center either. Yeah, and he's sure as heck going to be the better player in two or three years. I mean, he's going to be one of the five best players in the world for a long time. And while I do think very highly of Tavares, I think Matthews probably has a slightly higher ceiling. And, uh, you know, Tavares isn't a kid either. He's right in his prime right now. But, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting dynamic, uh, especially playing in Toronto, no less. We'll be hearing about it every day, I'm sure, during the season. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, it's interesting, and you're right. They didn't need him. They had other areas of needs that were bigger, but they went for the big name. There's no doubt about it. And finally, Bob, where do you think Eric Carlson is going to wind up? Uh, there's talk of a three-way deal that would find a a third team to launder money, you know, like uh, Vegas did for Pittsburgh last year, and would mm-hmm. get Carlson from Ottawa to Tampa Bay. I have heard that. Uh, the two teams I have heard the most are Tampa Bay and Dallas. Um, I know there are other teams interested. Vegas tried to get him at the trade deadline. They actually came pretty close, um, and they have the money to do it. If I'm Carlson, I would love to go play there because they actually do have a lot of really good forwards, as we saw in the playoffs, but that blue line in Vegas isn't much. I don't know. I think it was the brilliance of Marc-Andre Fleury in a bad Western Conference that helped them get as far as they did in the playoffs, but obviously they could use Eric Carlson. Those are the teams I'm hearing the most, and uh won't that be interesting to see where he lands because he is a rare, rare talent that he can be a game changer wherever he ends up. Josh, great stuff. As always, a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Owey from TheAthletic.com. I'm Mark Madden. In just a moment, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin here on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Doing really well. Everything I hear from him is just some of the most insightful stuff. And did you take off your pants? The X at 105.9. Joining me now, the show's producer. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. He is Bob McLaughlin. Bob, we were talking earlier about food that looks good in advertising, whether it's print or video, and then doesn't look so good when you get it at the at the restaurant or fast food joint. There are exceptions, of course. I said the DQ Blizzard was an exception. The Primanti Brothers sandwich, if, if bought before they wrap it. You don't want to get it. Yeah. wrapped and to go. It looks great in the restaurant. An exception. Pizza and donuts. Do you have anything to add to that list? Well, I think the chili looks like chili. When I used to see all the ads for the chili goals growing up, they would show that chili just sitting there. What Wendy's chili? Yeah. And then you'd go, you'd turn in your ticket, and they would pretty much just hand you chili. I mean, chili is chili, right? You're not dressing that up. The, I the only thing s- weird about Wendy's chili, and it's good. But you see, when I get chili, you know where I get chilies quite often is Permanis. And by the time they bring it to me, it has sour cream, onions, and shredded cheddar cheese on it. See, that's why I just go with, I'll do that myself. I just want the chili. I'll go ruin it to my own satisfaction later. Thank you very much. Well, I do like the Wendy's chili, though. Make no mistake. I just, uh, again, anything you wrap at fast food isn't going to look like the commercial whatever. Now, actually, you know what might be an exception? The Big Mac comes in a box. And it looks more or less like a Big Mac when you take it out of the box. La Big Mac. That's right. That's a good point. Royale with cheese. That's right. No, it, But it doesn't look as good quite. It looks good, but not, you know, like you said, all those tricks. You 
You sent me that graphic before about tricks they pull, like shoe polish on burgers. Right, glue in your cereal. Cereal never looks like that. My milk is never that white. It's glue. The other thing is eggs. If I get an omelet or if I get, like, too dippy, they don't look like they look like on the menu. On the menu, Mark, there's a rainbow over those eggs. They're glowing. You can't not order the eggs. The hash browns are perfectly cut. When they slop it onto your table... That's, I mean, there's stuff all through the eggs. The omelet's never in the shape that they gave it to you. It's never as thick. You got a couple things of cheese here and there. It's not evenly spread throughout like the picture. So it's all, you know, it's all advertising tricks of the trade. You do agree the blizzard represents itself exactly Absolutely. The same. Absolutely. In fact, I was trying to think of something. And when he said the blizzard, I was like, oh, I got no argument for Is that. Is the That's blizzard the best ice cream treat available snickers absolutely i will also go reese's pieces well any blizzard in general yeah i don't even go i get the oreo blizzard i've had that very good but i go with the snickers because no, there's nothing like frozen snickers in the snickers oh that's right they'd be frozen yeah i mean and it's chewy you gotta do they, work do at they it. do milky ways uh, blizzards oh i'm sure they do yeah they oh do just God. about anything frozen milky ways are the best frozen candy bar i think i just love ice cream in the summer it's not good for you. I know that, but I love it. Um, obviously, I've been beating on the people who beat on soccer. Don't you agree that if you don't like soccer, that's okay, but but they feel the need to tell people about it every five seconds about the players dive and they whine and there's no contact. Like They just list all the things they don't like about it. Why not just STFU, let me watch it, and you go watch whatever the frig it is you want to watch because I don't care. You know what's funny? I feel like I'm perfectly appropriate to comment on this because I used to be in that group before I started this show and before we start or before I started to pay attention to, you know, soccer as you do and as I kind of have to with the monitors in the studio here. But I would turn it on for three, five minutes max. Bunch of guys running up and down the field. Every once in a while somebody kind of gets kicked and then they roll around on the ground for a minute or two. The more I watch soccer, I know that you do have to do a certain sell job. And I agree that some of it is absolutely laughable. But the action in between is kind of addicting. I mean, it is a good sport. I'm getting more of the tendencies now. You can kind of build to when one team gets an advantage over the other. I am enjoying it a lot more because I'm more familiar with it now because I'm used to it now. You can't turn the sport on for two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes and think that it's good and know what's going on there. Uh, who do you like of the teams that are left? Have you been following close enough to make a pick from the final eight? You know what? I'm sticking with England. They're not going to win it, but that game the other day, that I love that game. Well, so. the, the four best teams are all in one half of the draw. You know, Belgium's playing Brazil. That could easily be the final. You know, it, it's just... It's just England have to win two reasonable games to get to the final. Now, what about France? I watched one Uruguay France. Uruguay and France are the other. Or if, if, uh, if, uh, oh, who's the guy for Uruguay? Not Suarez, but the other guy who scored the couple goals. Uh, one, Cavani. Let me call John Steigerwald. Cavani. Yeah, right. He'll know. <laughs> if Cavani could play for Uruguay, but I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to. Oh, you know what else? Here's the, I meant to ask you this off the air. Why are so many people red carded or yellow carded out of certain games? Oh, no, if you take X amount of yellow cards, you get suspended for the next game. Every game, it seems, I look up yeah, at the Yeah, it's screen. a bad rule. What they what they should do is, once the group stage is over, they should reset all the yellows at zero. So who's going to get hurt the most by these all these yellows and people missing? Because 
Those last two games, I think it was England and Columbia, they showed like three different guys because of the way that game happened. They weren't going to be able to play the next game. You wouldn't think it would be anybody would be terribly hurt because no super duper star is okay. out. And if you're replacing like your fifth best player even with somebody off the bench, the drop won't be that ridiculous. Okay. Well, I am enjoying it, and I know that um, I did see some ratings for the first round were down in North America, but up in USA. But then the knockout round uh, last week, I saw that they did really well. So I guess people are catching on. Bob, um, what's your take on Gregory Polanco, who just looks like he's asleep out there? It's mad. Like I said, in right field, he looks like uh, a kid, a six-year-old right fielder distracted by the ice cream truck. <laughs> Very well put. You know what's funny is he did start to get hot before that LA series. He started to do much better, but... It's kind of like this Seinfeld thing where remember George wasn't have sex wasn't having sex and he got a lot smarter. Right. That's like Polanco as he hits better, he has more errors, so more base running errors, more blunders on the base running. You know, the, the not tagging up that you talked about last week. That was I mean, that's just you want to be there on the base ready to tag and get home. You know, that's kind of important the way the Pirates are going right now to be sitting there at three quarters of the way to home base already and then have to come back and not even be able to make that play or that attempt. You know, you're right. Asleep at the wheel. Got to do better than that. Would you bench him? Um, you know what? I would try anything right now. Yeah. And hey, I, I would dip into that right now. If you're Clint Hurdle and you've got all this stuff going on the way this team is going well, when you right look at now, the number of mistakes like he, right. he, he muffed that he could have caught that home run on Tuesday. He ta- he broke for home on a foul ball last week. Right. Uh, he's made a number of of errors, and, and like I said, Bob earlier, they're not errors of commission. They're not from trying too hard. They're from not trying hard enough. They're from not being mentally connected to the game, not paying attention. What I would do, Mark, is I would definitely tag him in the media and make a point of to talk about it with everybody to make sure that they he knows. And then if he doesn't pay attention there, then yeah, you sit him down. I'd beat him in batting practice. <laughs> That's Bob McLaughlin. I'm Mark Madden. Just around the corner. I'm going to tell you something I saw on TV yesterday. It just disgusted me. 105.9 The X.